Well, again, good morning to you. My name is Brad. This morning, we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to, what did we say? 4 to 9. So, hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week, Kyle and I went to Birmingham on Monday for General Assembly. We met with a lot of other pastors and other elders. There's, I don't know, 2,400 people there or so present. And um, so Monday and Friday were travel days. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was full of meetings in, uh, you know, Hall, a hall where there's, you know, several thousand people, couple thousand people voting, and that took up a lot of the day, and then at night we get to go out with friends, and I'm telling you all this because, um, you know, like there's still only 24 hours in each day, there's only a certain amount of days in the week, I'm preaching today, so you're going to get what you're going to get, but the good news is, it's from the scriptures, and that's what we're going to be talking about, um, but my lifestyle was kind of disrupted last week. And that's okay. Like it was, a, you know, it was great for us to go. It was actually a really good experience in a lot of ways. Um, but when you think about your lifestyle, like what's the lifestyle of a Christian? What does it mean like to live a lifestyle after this Christ that we're following? And what does it mean to have a healthy lifestyle? Like how do we grow in that lifestyle? Um, in Fortune magazine, they posted an article called Secrets to a Healthy Lifestyle. They said this, for almost four decades, my colleagues and I at the nonprofit Preventative Medicine Research Institute and the University of California, San Francisco, have conducted clinical research proving the many benefits of comprehensive lifestyle changes like, and they list four, a whole foods, plant-based diet. I'm out, like that's not happening. Stress management techniques. Okay, that's good. I, I, can, I can jam with that, although I don't do yoga. They recommend it. Um, moderate exercise, such as walking, I did a good, I've done a good job today so far. Um, social support and community, love and intimacy. Um, so in short, eat well, move well, stress less, and love more. Like when you think about a healthy lifestyle, like, okay, I can get on board with a lot of that. Again, I, I'm a meat guy, so that's not happening. But like I can understand these other things they're talking about. Um, eating well matters, but it doesn't matter how well you eat. There's only a certain amount of days you get, Right? Stress management techniques. You know, we try a lot of different ways of dealing and managing stress. Some healthy, some not so healthy. Um, they talk about meditation being significant, but, you know, one of the questions I asked that they didn't answer was, like, meditate upon what? Because I can obsess over really negative things. Like, I can do that. I can be really critical of something. I can be like, well, here's, you know, 47 reasons why I dislike this idea you're putting out there or whatever it is. So it's more than just, like, thinking. Like, meditate upon what? And Paul, here in Philippians, gives us something that is actually meant to be sort of the lifestyle of a Christian, this idea of joy. 
Like, what does it mean for us to have a lifestyle that's leaning into joy? What do we do, because this is true for everybody, what do we do when joy evades us, or it's elusive, or it's difficult to access? And I don't mean for an hour one Monday. I mean, like, if you go through a season where you're like, where is joy? It's been years since I could say I was accessing this joy that Paul talks about. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, that verse taken in its own, like out of context with no, you know, none of the discussion we've had for the past 10 weeks or whatever about this, I'd kind of hear that and go, cool platitude, bro, like not interested. What is he talking about to live into this lifestyle of joy? Well, uh, this won't be new for you if you've been listening to the series, but Paul is saying, look, when you put your faith in Jesus, you access a bunch of benefits, God gives you access to favor with the Father. God gives you access to the presence of the Holy Spirit. God gives you access to a community of people who are centering themselves on the reality of who Jesus is, who makes dead things come to life, yes, even including your experience of joy. God is inviting us into real joy. And Paul has been talking about this throughout the book of Philippians. In chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. This idea of like, as we grow in understanding of who God is, somehow we're also growing in joy. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement... From being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Paul says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Paul's like, even if I am in the deepest place of suffering, he says, I am glad and Rejoice with all of you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And then we already read Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. There's something about this idea of joy that it's not wrong to say we're actually meant to figure out, okay, what does it mean for me to live a lifestyle that's learning and leaning and trying to understand this joy that God offers is mine by grace and through faith. A posture of seeking after and understanding joy. And so what we're going to do this morning, just three ideas here. The first is, where does joy start? Like, how do we think about this joy concept? Secondly, what does it mean for us to live into joy? And then third, what do we do when we can't find it? Okay? And so first... Joy starts. Where does joy start? Go up again, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord. You know, understanding who God is and what He said is essential to your spiritual growth and your ability to access joy. It isn't actually something you just come up with on your own. We understand what joy is by understanding how God has given us to live, how we're meant to thrive. 
You know, there may be times where you feel deeply isolated. Again, just thinking of General Assembly last week. We have these cool little clickers we click on to vote, so no one really knows how you're voting. But that is not always, always how it has been. Used to, they would give you a card, and they'd say, okay, all in favor, and then you'd raise your huge card. And I remember this experience several times throughout the past, I don't know, 18 to 20 years of going to General Assembly, where I'm like the only dude with his card up with a mass of, you know, 500 to 1,000 people around me. I'm like... Maybe, maybe I'm not. Like, maybe, like, I feel very alone right now, you know, in that moment. How do we begin to understand how to access joy? It starts with understanding who God is, understanding what is ultimate, what is the most important thing. It, that's the starting point. It's actually something that helps us to even think about what's going on in our country right now with the whole Roe versus Wade uh, being turned over and then Friday night being called what? The night of rage. How? How do we begin to access joy in the midst of a world that is, seems to experience great disruption? Who is God? That is the starting point. Let me read to you. This is from Psalm 139. It's particularly relevant today. But let me read this, read this to you. Understand who God is. This is who God is. David writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It's rhetorical. He's like, there's nowhere I can go. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, like maybe my own sin or a deep, difficult circumstance or something I'm going through, maybe that can hide me from your presence. And what we read is, surely the darkness will will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You know, the, the whole discussion about, you know, pro-life and pro-choice. Let, let me push the question back one step, okay? The question is not, does life begin like in the womb? Let me push it back further. Do you, do you hear what the scriptures say? Before the hands of time ever ticked, before physicality was a thing, before you had one cell to your body, God didn't just kind of have an awareness of you, what you might become. Every day before you lived it, God has known it. God knew you before your mother was born. God loved you before your mother was born. God loved you and have, values you and has pursued you since before the hands of time ever ticked, before the sun made its first uh, the earth made its first revolution or, or rotation around the, the, the sun. Before anything ever happened, God has loved you. Y'all, that is an incredible place to draw joy from. That is an amazing place to find firm ground on. You know, part of being able to access joy is actually not being able to solve every problem in the world. Finding joy is, is actually something that's not... Um, figured out by fixing everything that's going on and having to answer every question that might, you know, your heart might be able to raise. Do you know where we find joy, first and foremost, 
in understanding who God is and His love for us. If you're old enough and you've gone through deep sadness, you begin to realize that there's no human logic that, that can begin to give you peace in the midst of that situation. You need something better, something more powerful. God is offering you a joy by understanding His love for you, where Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where does joy start? It, it starts in understanding who God is and who He's made you and His love for you. And as you begin to peek into those mysteries, you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your heart? And it's not going to make sense. Because logically, how can you answer this question? Logically, how can you figure this out? How is God going to bring peace to you? It's a kind of peace that transcends understanding. The reason you don't understand how God brings the peace is because it is a divine and mysterious and wonderful gift that you access by faith, not by figuring it out. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where does joy start? It's a simple answer. For every Sunday school class you'll ever go to, Jesus. It starts in understanding who Jesus is. Secondly, as followers of Christ, what does it mean? What happens when we begin to believe this and live into this kind of joy? Paul tells us a couple things here. He says, "Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests." to God. Paul invites us into understanding that as we understand who God is and we begin to access joy, it's going to begin to change our life, but it's something we're going to have to seek after. And we seek after it knowing how much he loves us. You know, I say this sometimes, you know, we're not saved by good works, but God saves us unto them. We're not saved by being gentle. That's not what Paul's saying here. But he actually enables us to be gentle because we begin to understand how gentle he's been with us. We seek to live into this lifestyle that invites us to experience the divine gift of joy. And as we do, God begins to shape us. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You know, an evidence of God's work in your life. How do we do that? Well, would you say you're a gentle person? You know, if you're not, have you confessed it? Have you gone to God and said, Lord, I am not making evident that I believe your joy is everything? You could say it like this. What's the antithesis to joy? Do not be anxious about anything. The, the thing that is the joy stealer, the thing that's the joy dissolver, is this anxiety thing. And what is anxiety at its core? It's the belief that something is more powerful out there to get you than the power of the thing that loves you or the power of the thing that wants to protect you. Paul's saying, listen, don't be anxious about anything. What do you do when you experience a lack of joy? What do you do when you experience this anxiety? Here it is. In, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the result of expressing that faith, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What this means for us is God is calling us to live into joy and that it should begin to express itself in even us being gentle, making our gentleness evident. 
you know, I, I kind of, if you probably saw protesters this week, if you watched the news and things like that, I wondered, like, how would I respond if, like, protesters showed up at Grace? I think this is, this is part of the answer. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And in doing that, we're going to access this peace that God gives us. And that gentleness is provoked how? Well, in part, Paul says here, the Lord is near. Now, when I tell you God's near and so therefore be gentle, what we hear because we're defensive is, well, God's watching, so you better behave. That's actually not what's going on. It's kind of like reading Psalm 139, as we read earlier. Whether you go to the edge of the sea or a dark, dark place of your own doing or because someone else put you there, Wherever you go, whether you somehow figure out how to kid Icarus it and, you know, rise on the dawn or fly off to the moon or wherever you go, he is there. The Lord is near. What that's meant to provoke in you is a keen sense of God's affections for you. And as you begin to understand that, you'll begin to live into joy. God's watching. He's invested. He cares. It's kind of like when my sons come home after, you know, they've been gone for a while. My dog, Bentley, will freak out. He just freaks out. He jumps around. He jumps up on everything. He just barely can breathe. Like, he gets so excited. And then the more they pet him, he just calms because they are there with him. And he's like, okay, yes, they're back. the boys are back. Now let's go to bed. You know, that's what Bentley wants to do. Let's go to sleep now. The Lord is near. Your heart will tell you at times he is not near. Your heart will tell you at times there's zero chance I can have joy. Zero That's when we remember God is near. God, you've been gentle to me. You've been good to me. Please draw near. So what do we do when joy evades us, when it's elusive? We remember God's promises. Have you ever seen a cornered animal? I have some friends who are in New Mexico. They sent me these videos. One of them has a bear that's swimming around in their little water pool out in front of their house. I'm like, that's terrifying. One of them, and then they sent me another one where there's a mountain lion that's swimming around in there, and this baby's big, like way bigger than Bentley, this large animal. And then they sent me these pictures, these like videos, these little hummingbirds, like tons of hummingbirds there. Do you know what all three of those animals have in common? All of them. None of them want a cage. Not a single one. Try to grab a hummingbird. If you can, that's really impressive, but like it's not going to want you to hold it. Or go out. When you see the bear in the water, the mountain lion in the water, go ahead and take a cage out there and say, would you get in this right here? You know, you probably won't live to tell the story, but they're not getting in the cage. And if they are in the cage, how are they going to respond? They're going to thrash about. If you feel like this world is caging you, you're going to thrash about. God is inviting you into a freedom to know there's actually a place to find joy. There's actually a place to find hope. There's a place where you can go when you're feeling caged and find God's grace to give you freedom, to give you direction, and to be comfortable with not being God yourself. You know what that partly looks like? It means there's going to be some times where you don't know how to, you don't know what to say to someone who's suffering. What you remember is that God says, like, if I come to you and I bring my prayers to you, I bring my petitions to you, if I give thanks to you, you're going to do something beyond what human reason can do. You're going to do something beyond what my logic can provide. You're going to bring a peace that transcends all understanding in Christ Jesus. Or if you're suffering... Or if you see things going on in our world, and you're like, I don't have an answer to this. Welcome to not being God. Let God be God. Put your faith in Him. Trust Him. Lean into His joy and say, Lord, I want you to bring your peace that surpasses all understanding into this place. You know, that article that I read earlier, it talked about some coping mechanisms you can use to get a healthy lifestyle. 
If you want to read the article, I'll send it to you. I'm not going to tell you any of them. But I'm going to give you Paul's. Paul here actually gives us like a spiritual coping mechanism to deal with the lack of joy. Or when we're in places of anxiety, which I would argue is the antithesis to joy. He gives us something to, to do in the midst of that. It's not just about faith and kind of just you know, let it happen. It's about engaging in your faith. What do we do? Hear these words. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, one of my favorite people in the world is my father-in-law, Bubba Hudson. He is like strong, played golf in college, knows how to fly an airplane when he used to crop dust. Now he does business, and he's like legendary in our family. Like, we love to tell Bubba stories because he's just got a ton, and they're amazing. And yesterday he called me on the phone, and I, you know, sometimes he calls me and I'm like, does he need something? The only thing he wanted to do, the only thing he, he intended to do was to see how I'm doing and then tell me he's praying for me. Y'all, that's provoked by a spirit of joy. You know, when you think about your own character qualities as a follower of Jesus, seeking joy should be one of them. I hope one of them is not being critical, right? I hope that you don't say, you know, Brad, great guy, but with surgical precision, he can point out everything that's wrong with me. Like, that's just, that's part of being around him is like, I just got to hear about all the horrible things that I am or I've done. There's nothing life-giving about that. But to bring joy brings resurrection. To bring grace brings good things. Whatever is true. That's why we memorize the scriptures. That's why we know the Bible. You know, David says, I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. You're feeling like God's vacant and not around you. Go read Psalm 139 and say, Lord, help me believe this is true. Whatever is noble, Jesus, the King of heaven and earth, sacrificed himself so that you could have certain access to God, certain forgiveness by grace and through faith. Whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, things admirable, things excellent, things praiseworthy. Paul says, think about such things. And then he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Now, as we seek to practice joy, you know what the result's going to be? God's going to do something. And the God of peace will be with you. I don't feel His presence. That's okay. His presence isn't based on your perception of it. But how can He be present? Because this thing happened. Look, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If I will move towards Him, if I will think on these things, the God of heaven and earth has given you this promise that He will be with you. Not might be with you, not could be with you. He will be with you. Sometimes I pray this. Lord, I don't feel your joy. I'm trying to call out to you. And I'm still not, like I'm still where I am. Give me faith to believe. Give me grace to believe. You know what practice means? Paul says put this into practice. Practice means that improvement's possible. Practice means failure is inevitable. Practice means it's going to be a journey. The journey of faith that we are all on starts with where we find joy. Where do you find joy? Where do you find definition? Where do you find meaning? Find it here. Find it in the King of heaven and earth, as we read in Philippians earlier. 
the one who sacrificed everything for you, the most humble of all, the one who's also the majestic of all, who has the name above all names, and before whom every knee will bow. God welcomes you this morning to access joy. Now sometimes, this is, I'm closing with this, sometimes the experience of joy, the pursuit of joy, is actually done in defiance of the things around you. Sometimes we have to cling to the promises God's given to us in the midst of everything else pushing against, pushing against those promises. Know this, the God of heaven and earth who loves you and cares for you says that as you come to him with prayers and petitions and requests, that he will not just be with you, but that he will work by the power of his spirit a peace that will transcend even your human understanding. Now, my, my challenge, my encouragement to you this week is maybe to ask that question. How am I doing with living into joy? Where am I finding my peace? Because it can be found here in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we do come before you and we hear these words and we ask that by the power of your Spirit, you might enable us to live into joy, this lifestyle of joy, of remembering your promises, asking for faith to enable us to embrace those things and live into them, that you might enable us even this week to practice joy. Because in doing so, we're living into the kingdom. In doing so, we're practicing resurrection, Lord. Would you give us grace sufficient for whatever it is we face this week and whatever is on our hearts right now? Would you continue to work in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.